Okay, welcome to Dynasty Saturday Night 5. We are live here on the Going for Two Live YouTube channel. We are a Dynasty Fantasy Football podcast from the Going for Two family of content. Please subscribe, rate, and review if you're on the audio feed. Please, if you're here watching us on the video, uh, like, comment, subscribe, notification bell, all that jazz. Feed the algorithm monster what it must be fed back from migraines and uh, a trip that he went on uh my co-host josh walker josh how you doing <laughs> i'm doing great today actually uh just to update you guys i know you all care so much about ronald acuna's historic season mm. he just joined the 40 40 club he's on pace to have 40 home runs and 70 stolen bases which has never even been close to being done so baseball's been around 130 years that's pretty impressive so i know you all mm. were dying to know about that but yeah, I'm good. Everything's good. Notre Dame plays tonight. We got football tomorrow. I get to listen to Scott Hansen, so that's yeah. good. Um, trivia, fun trivia. I, uh, I think I think this is the correct trivia. Who was the first member of the Forty Forty Club? Ooh, I don't know that off the top of my head. I'm pretty sure it was Jose Canseco. That sounds right. I knew it was in like yeah. the 80s, early 90s. I was going to yeah. say Barry Bonds, but I think it, I think that sounds right. Yeah. Yeah. I actually, I was kind of a Conseco fan, but even though I was a Mets fan, like I had, I, I liked Conseco, but I guess I, I guess I like the, the, the bad boys. All right. <laughs> hey, bring back steroids. That's all uh, I'm saying. You know, there's an argument to be made that like, what's the difference between that and I don't know, LASIK surgery to improve my vision so I can hit better. Like who the hell can, you know, but I don't know. That's a whole other, right? Um, and who the cares about baseball anyway? Because we are a dynasty fantasy football podcast. For those of you unfamiliar with the show, or for those of you uh, who forget, uh, we use lists of five simply as our vehicle to discuss uh, dynasty fantasy football. Uh, tonight, the list of five is mostly just going to be what are some stories that have developed over the first couple weeks? What's our take on them? And what are we doing with them? in those uh, hot, sweaty, although it's fall now, pumpkin spice, uh, dynasty streets. Um, so, but before we, uh, we we get started, we like to kind of have just some general thoughts. I, I just put some loose stuff here on, on the show sheet. And I kind of want to start broadly with like changes that are going on in the NFL, right? So we talked over the offseason about how, you know, these Offenses were, you know, spreading out more, employing smaller, uh, smaller players, you know, um, explosive guys, um, you know, they're good in space. Defenses responded by smaller personnel spreading out. And now there's this trend to sort of as offenses mix in, you know, more of the uh, power run game and 12 personnel and things like that to respond to those defenses that spread out to respond to the offenses uh, that spread out. And then and then the, the defenses. Uh, this whole time also, you know, have have moved um, largely because of analytics, from what I understand, towards, you know, let's stop explosive plays, right? Mm -hmm. um, you know, and so you're getting these two high safeties. We'll let you, you know, dink and dunk and matriculate 
small steps, you know, but we're going to, we're going to keep, you know, keep the explosive plays limited. So now these offenses are saying, okay, well, how do we deal, deal with that? Right. So offenses are trying to become more versatile, have more answers, right? If you look at, just look at what the Buffalo Bills did this off season, they got better intermediate targets because they lacked that. Right. And they got, ostensibly what we thought was going to be a better power run game with um, Damian Harris and Latavius Murray. So now that offense is versatile. It's got an answer for different defenses in different situations, right? And you've seen them use those different defenses in different situations. And so that macro picture for our micro stuff is really, really interesting because on the one hand, you know, a, a, a guy that, that we're going to talk about later on tonight, you know, Puka Nakua, you know, He's benefiting from this. Let's let's limit the explosive plays, right? I'm just going to sit here in zone in an intermediate route, you know, and find the pocket and you know make myself a friendly target, and boom, there you go. Um, but at the same time, it's also important to identify explosive players who might, in space, be able to beat or transcend, you know, these defensive trends. You know, guys like whatever Jameer Gibbs or or something like that. And so it's kind of making our fantasy life, if you will, uh, a little little harder, I think, you know, to kind of suss out, uh, you know, who are the guys to really focus on? Because I was talking with Jacob last week about we can say, well, bet on, you know, year two wide receivers who are athletic freaks with really good numbers, right? Um, but then it's important to kind of suss out among that archetype, among that profile, which are the ones that are really – worth betting on and what kind of micro decisions are we making? Cause that gives us even a better edge and we're all now doing this in the context of only two weeks of data, right. And trying to strike that balance between adapting, you know, from our priors with new information, but not overreacting after two weeks of data from our priors, because, you know, we had priors and maybe the priors were good. <laughs> Right. So all that to say, there's a lot going on. Right. And I find this year really fascinating in the first couple of weeks as the NFL is changing quickly. And I think the dynasty streets are reacting very quickly also to value spikes and, and things like that. And, you know, uh, sometimes you're going to find an edge and sometimes you know, you're going to step in doo-doo and make a bad trade. So um, what have things been like, you know, for you these first couple weeks of, of, you know, fantasy football? The main thing I'm noticing is I'm starting to have to look more into what defense each team is playing to kind of gauge how I think a player is going to do that week. Because a lot of teams have adjusted and you can kind of get a general idea. Like we knew the Chiefs would play a lot of man against the Jaguars. So Christian Kirk was – definitely do for a bounce back like we saw mm -hmm. and that's not something i really had to pay much attention to in the past like you just look at the overall strength of the defense but guys like puka if they get on you know go up against a team that doesn't run as much zone i'm not really sure it'll be interesting to see how his success will be so i think actually looking at defenses as opposed to you know at a at a smaller level as opposed to just looking at the overall rating against fantasy points I think that's been something I've done, especially in DFS. It's helped me this year. For sure. Um, a lot of teams are running the Tampa, kind of a similar to Tampa too. you know, keep two safeties back. Everyone covers their zone and keep everything in front of you. Bend, but don't break. And then make them put up points in the red zone where it's the hardest. 
So I think that's something uh, you're going to have to look for re- receivers who are not just like freaks against man, but really good against zone because players like that, like Puka, guys like Cooper Cup, which he can win on both, but guys like that who really know how to work against zone, Keenan Allen, he's having a huge year this year, and I think that's going to help. So maybe more rounded well receivers as opposed to just going for the physical freaks yeah. who uh, have yeah. holes in their game. Man. To be fair to Puka, he is winning – from what I saw against man as well. Mm-hmm. But, you know, just the idea of, I think the NFL overall plays 70% zone now. And yep. he has like a veteran's feel for sitting in, in the zone and also just where he's running the routes on the field. Um, you know, whether it's man or zone play into, you know, the, the bend, but don't break. I think, I think defense. So. Yeah. He's got a three, 3.1 yards per route run. So he's, He's not just oh. running little dink and dunk, little slants. He's he's running a intermediate routes and deep routes too. So, mm-hmm. which we'll talk about that more in a minute. But right. yeah, I think look for more well-rounded receivers. Like Zay Flowers is doing well because you can get him in the in the zone and he can make people miss and get yards after catch. So, yeah, it's it's really interesting, right? Because I remember bringing up somebody right before NFL draft. I loved Josh Downs, but I was kind of thinking like, well if the NFL is moving back to more 12 and more, more power run to counteract this, you know, like um, you can be small and you can be slot, but if you're small and slot, right? Like, and you're not playing outside at all and you're getting taken off the feet, like how much does that affect it? Right. So um, yeah, it's, and, and, you know, you mentioned the, the defense is like last week, I played some Debo in DFS because he's a zone killer, right? Mm-hmm. And the, the team he was he was going up against, you know, um, played played more zone, right? So, you know, it, it, yeah, it's these micro decisions based on these macro trends, and it's I think getting harder to find an edge in fantasy football. I don't know. No, it is. You got to take some shots. Like yesterday in one of our leagues, I started Tank Dell over someone who was projected like seven or eight more points than him just based on the thing. But I liked his matchup being a slot receiver against that team that was bad against slot. So you just have to do a little bit more work and looking for prep for each week. But it's, you know, it's worth it because there is good data there and you can really use it to your advantage. Absolutely. All right. So uh, before we get started with our list of five, let's pay some bills. Uh, The show is brought to you by Underdog Fantasy. As per usual, Underdog has it all, right? Best ball draft season, hot best ball summer. It may be over, but, um, you know, we've got Pickums, We've got uh, their Battle Royale, DFS. We've got uh, sports besides football, which I'm told exist. I don't, I don't really know uh, about them, but they're there as well. So if you are a new depositor on uh, Underdog and you use the promo code GF2, whether on goingfor2.com or the uh, underdog app they will match your new deposit up to a hundred dollars for those of you watching here on the video feed we have a nice shiny sparkly uh, qr code that you can scan and that'll take you uh, to where if you are a new account you use the promo code gf2 and you will get a deposit match of up to a hundred dollars on your first deposit i deposited and spent a lot of money this summer uh, on underdog more than I expected, and hopefully it turns out 
okay. <laughs> it will. What could go know. wrong? Yeah, well, everything. <laughs> it's like um, so like the other night, my my brother texted me. Um, he's and after Nick Chubb got injured, which I wasn't watching because I don't like primetime football. And he's like, "Do you do you got Chubb?" And I said, first of all, that's a personal question." <laughs> um, but anyway, so the the point of the conversation was, listen, man, like you don't understand. I got so many leagues and so many formats, and then like DFS, too, like everything that happens in every game is both bad and good for me, right? So, so yeah. I don't I don't get caught up in anything. It's just like, all right, you know, watch games, have fun, see if we're collecting any money at the end of the week, and you know, move on to uh, move on to the next. Yeah. No. It only takes about 10 leagues to where you're like happy that someone on one of your team scores and you look and you're playing against them in some other leagues. So yeah, it's mm. you just watch and just hope for no major injuries really and just enjoy enjoy the day. Yeah, you know, like I mean the idea of like a sweat, right? Like I just don't, man. I just nah. watch my I have my Scott Hansen on in the background, you know, sometimes I pay attention, sometimes I'm doing something else and you know, you know, we'll fi- we'll figure it out, you know. Yeah, there's. I'm in enough leagues to where if I just completely bombed and it's just a laugh, it's just laughable because that's just really bad luck. Like I'm gonna do good in a few leagues just based on the number of leagues I'm in. So, right. Yeah. Uh, all right. So we've got our five topics. Um, which one do you uh, do you want to do first? Does it matter? Do you care? You want to start with Puka since we've already been yeah, talking just, about it. Let's just get all it right, out of the let's way. Let's start with the greatest wide receiver of all time, Puka Nakua, <laughs> and you can say that right because. He's the greatest wide receiver through two games. His career has only been two games, so therefore he has the greatest career of any NFL wide receiver of all time. Uh, you know, let's uh, let's put him in, in Canton. I, I, I joke, but I think this is a really good conversation for, um, you know, dynasty process from a lo- from a lot of different angles, right? So, um, I'll I'll tell you my my Puka saga. Uh, you know, so uh, I talk a lot to Matt Hicks. Uh, the FF educator on Twitter, you know, rookie big board, uh, you know, Patreon and all that uh, during draft season. He, he was really, he really put me on the Puka. He was a big Puka guy, like from, from like day one. So I was kind of like, you know, he was definitely on my radar. I was above market on him, like the whole process. Uh, And, you know, the idea, the idea with Puka was um, a little bit on the older side, I think if I remember, but, you know, not super athletic, not great at running routes, not super great hands, but, you know, more like it, uh, he had intangibles. He had a sense for the game um, and he, uh, you know, was versatile, you know, could be used as like, a you know, a running, running, you know, uh, uh, with rushes as well as receiving, et cetera, et cetera. You know, certainly had heavy heavy target volume, you know, um, on his team and that sort of thing. So there were, there was stuff that pointed to him being someone to, to, to keep your eye on, but we weren't talking about him even as much, even as, as highly as we were talking about guys like, you know, Rashid Rice or Jonathan Mingo. Right. You know, so, you know, and then he goes in the fifth round. Right. And, you know, he goes to a team that, you know, fifth round day three, not very athletic. Uh, you know, the aging quarterback who didn't look good uh, last year and, you know, the offensive line, which was which was pretty, pretty questionable and a team that, you know, we didn't know really what the results were going to be with that team. 
you know, so you're grabbing them in like the fourth round of rookie drafts and in some rookie drafts, probably, you know, post-draft waivers. So I, I think I got like five shares of Puka, right? Um, and I've sold two, right? So after week one, um, I sold uh, Puka. I, I traded Puka and a fourth for um, Michael Wilson and a second, right? And for me, that was a, a classic process sell, right? Uh, you have a, a day three wide receiver who was a middling prospect who had, you know, a really good week one. People seem to be overreacting. Uh, you cash in for a second. He's got an elite wide receiver coming back in a few weeks. There's a window to this optimism that we can have on him. Uh, cash out, right? And I'm going to win more of those than I'm going to lose, <clears throat> over the course of, you know, whatever. And so that's a bet that I'm, that I'm going to do most of the time. Right. And then, uh, after week two, I traded him straight up for, for JMO. Right. Uh, and that's the one that some, uh, Paul, uh, put on Twitter and I got dragged on Twitter for taking JMO, uh, for Puka and friend of the show, uh, Tom Tipple uh, didn't like uh, the trade, and we talked a little bit uh, on it uh, about it on uh, in our in our sleeper league chat. And you know, for for me, I still stand by the trade in the sense that that it's a process sell. That I'm I'm selling a guy who you know we're looking at his ceiling, really. I think, and. Uh, I'm, you know, I'm trading him for a guy who I have ranked, you know, like 19 spots higher at the time. I think the falling knife of JMO has fallen and it's rattling on the floor and it's okay to pick it up. Um, a guy whose talent I love, right? That's a trade, especially if I'm keeping a few shares that I'll usually make. What I did not anticipate was to wake up the next morning and find that the dynasty community had lost their damn minds and were throwing around firsts for Puka. So, it, so Tom's critique is, is correct in the sense that what Puka can get you, right? You know, he's worth having more on your roster than, than, than JMO, right? Um, because JMO is not even playing, right? And, and Puka, so he's not producing, and Puka can get you a first, which I wasn't anticipating. You know, if I, I was, if I, if I thought that was going to happen, I, I would, I, I would have asked for more. I would, I would have countered. You know, he's right in that sense. I think I'm right in the sense that it's still a process sell uh, for a guy I like better. And while Puka does play his snaps on the on the outside and the inside, he's not just a slot guy. In fact, I think it's like seventy percent on the outside. When Cup comes back, he may not. Like, okay, so he may have the Robert Woods role, but he's got cup-level volume. And when cup comes back, that's not going to be there, right? Mm -hmm. And so is what you're getting with Puka post-cup worth the first, and, uh, first plus that you're throwing out for Puka now in these first two weeks? Probably. To me personally, no, it's it's not going to be. Now the now the one caveat to that is what if Cup doesn't come back or comes back and he's not he's not healthy, right? Like, you know, he's just he's just really slowed down and the hamstrings are gonna bother him all year. That's when I'm gonna feel 
like crap. So for me, it was I had five shares. You sell off two for whatever they call that arbitrage, hedging, whatever you want, right? And then this, the, the two that I sold off were process sales. I can see where somebody could critique both of them, right? And so for me, it comes down to are we now in the situation where Puka is one of those guys that you now sort of peel away from the archetype or the profile and say, okay, that's a guy worth betting on, right? Like, you know, this is what I was going through with, with Jacob last week, right? Like, this guy, but not that guy. Well, no, you have archetypes and profiles. You have heuristics. You have rules of thumb. But then, well, now to get a better edge, we have to say this guy, not that guy. And is Puka now that guy? Like, he's got an excellent feel for the game. Will, will the volume stay at a level where you're going to be okay to have spent a first, and in some cases, first and second, I'm seeing move for him. Are you gonna Are you gonna be okay with that price if Cup comes back healthy? Yeah, I'm. I'm not. I I did like you did. I actually, weirdly enough, had him in five leagues. Uh, I traded him in one, but I wanted to. Oh, I just damn it! I just lost it. A month ago, I traded for Puka. Uh, so before the season started. And I ripped the guy off, and he was. I uh, traded away Trey Lance, Jerry Judy, and Tyquan Thornton, and I got back Stafford, Madison, Puka, Kadarius Tony, and Jacoby Myers. Looks pretty good. So the Puka, I I got him just to throw in Puka because I was starting to get a little bit of FOMO because I'd seen the reports through training camp. I saw mm -hmm. that he looked a little bit better than I expected him to. Um, so if you, the way I see it, if you have him and you're good on receiver, I would try and sell him. But otherwise, I'm just – most of my leagues, I'm just going to hold him and see what happens. Because mm -hmm. a lot of the people I've tried to get a first for, they don't want to. I think you yeah. really got to find the right person who's just dying to, like, get Puka on their team, who might have traded him away and wants him back. So mm -hmm. I'm just – I'm holding right now. I'm going to hope that in the leagues that I hold him, that Cup comes back. He's slow to come back. So even when he's back, he's not – you know, he's not doing full route participation, maybe running 50, 60% of routes. And, I mean, I think a lot of this, it's making me wonder, really, if this is a Sean McVay wide receiver one, is just going to be set up to get a lot of targets and a lot of looks, mm. or if it's just the player. Because Cooper Cup was a solid receiver, but he kind of came out of nowhere there. So I don't know if Sean McVay figured something out, and Stafford's the perfect quarterback to make quick reads and get it out to his, uh, his first wide receiver. Because in my opinion, Stafford, when he's healthy, he's a top five quarterback when it comes to knowing what the defense is doing, getting the ball out and arm talent. You know, he doesn't have the rushing ability, but he's a really, really good quarterback that gets overlooked and he's healthy. So I think wide receiver one and two in that team. So even when Cup comes back, I think he's still going to have some value, just not for a first. Hmm. So I'm going to hold him just see what happens in most of my leagues. But I, I sold him for a 24 second, which is looking at the bulletproof trade finder. That's kind of where most of the trades are. There's a few, but a lot are going for seconds. And I'm okay I, with even I think it's starting time. to calm down after <laughs> after like the early week frenzy where people were throwing around firsts. I'm not seeing that consistent no. getting a first for him in some of these trade databases in the last couple of days. Like 
I, I you know, I think Puka fever really was, uh, was, you know, at a fever pitch, if you will, uh, earlier in the week. So I was listening to um, Stealing Bananas podcast. It's Ben Gretsch and Sean Siegel. Great podcast, good conversation between two smart people, you know, and what Gretsch was saying was, um, you know, people were asking him, what do you sell Puka for? And he's saying, don't sell, right? Because the way to get an edge is you you have to find the outliers, right? You have to find the guys that beat the pattern, that beat the archetype, the whatever, right? And 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 to a, and to an extent, I I agree, right? Like our our dynasty um, fortunes are made on like the the impact of you know sort of our our highest upside players, right? And sometimes when we're making those bets, we miss. I maintain that, yes, I've been on Puka the whole time, but this is a little out of control because if Cup, Cup comes back in a few weeks and is healthy, Puka may have the Robert Woods role, but he's not going to have the Puka volume that we've been. He's not going to have the Cooper Cup volume that we're seeing. And, you know, with a 34-year-old, you know, quarterback, like, you know, situations change. Faster than Puka's talent will, right? You know, like I just I don't know that you're going to be happy you gave up a first and a second for him yeah. in in two or three weeks. So yeah, yeah, I can live with the second because looking at his college, he only had his best year at BYU was 800 and something yards. Didn't have a ton of catches, so I don't. And now he's averaging through two games, 17 targets a game. Like that just kind of came out of nowhere, and it's it's. It's hard for me to wrap my mind around that it's going to keep up like that, and that that's just going to be the guy he is, you right. know, moving forward. So, right. I hope everybody enjoyed the uh, <laughs> Toronto Dave loves the loves the meme game. Yeah. Um. All right. So our next topic. Uh, which one you want to do? Um. You know, I'll go ahead. That way, I'll go ahead and knock the Falcons out. Uh. So it's not just talking about the Falcons. It's mainly talking about. Uh, Bijan, Pitts, and London. Uh, so yeah, Bijan came out of the gate looking honestly better than I expected him to. I expected him to, you know, take a few weeks to get his legs under him, but he's he's an even better prospect than I thought he would be. Bijan's a plug and play almost every week in DFS and fantasy. It's definitely worth the price he was going for. Now the other guys, it's not. It's a little more bleak. Drake London didn't get in the end zone. Kyle Pitts is still getting overlooked and I'm starting to change my tune on Desmond Ritter just a little bit. It's only two games, so I'm trying not to overreact and it's an ugly system to be, be a quarterback in, but he also just does not look that good. He was like close to top of the league in turnover worthy plays. He threw his first interception the other day. So you got to hold Pitts. You can't, his talent's too good. He's still a top one or two tight ends and overall talent, probably even the most athletic until Bowers comes into the league, but it's really tough because you you spent high draft capital on him. If you traded for him, you sent a lot, and it's just brutal that he's stuck in the Falcons' offense because I don't think they're really as good as their record says they are. Mm. I don't think they should be 2-0. I don't think they'll keep winning like this because their offense is anemic. I don't think Ritter's that good. I think they really screwed up by not going after a quarterback last year, and they're not tanking, so this is – I think they're looking at mediocrity, especially for uh, London and Pitts and wasting draft capital. So I'm kind of down on Atlanta outside of Algier and Bijan. Mm. What do you say? 
Yeah, well, we've joked on the show before how, like, Arthur Smith is dumb. And, like, we joke. He's not dumb. He's actually a really good offensive mind with the pieces that he – well, with the quarterbacks that he's had in Atlanta, he's doing what you probably should do, right? Like, um, Matt Wallman did a really good film review on Ritter showing how, like, you know, he's not seeing things well. He's not reacting to things well and he probably doesn't have uh like permission yet you know to do pre-snap changes and so you know if i were arthur smith i would run the offense that he was running too if desmond ritter was quarterback unfortunately for us arthur smith can weave together nine wins you know maybe right doing that with desmond ritter and that offense um going into the year you know the idea was okay uh, if we just get a few more pass attempts per game, just a little bit more volume, right? It's going to be so highly concentrated into London and, and and Pitts, you know, it it could it could really be good. But the pie probably wouldn't be big enough that both of them go off, right? So for mm-hmm. for me, I largely bet on the unicorn at the premium position versus you know uh, versus London, you know, through through two games, you know. I mean, you know, there they were, you know, London was a goose egg the first game and Pitts barely registered. And and then London had a, you know, solid game the, the next game and Pitts barely registered. So, so right now, you know, you know, it's, it's London in the win column. And, you know, for, for me, you know, and this is, I think, team dependent, you know, depending on where you are as far as like the cycle of your, your, your build. But, I mean, I just it just screams by for me for for London and and for Pitts. You know, we we know their ability. We know the underlying metrics about targets per route run and air yards and all that jazz that, that they've had. Um, you know, in their brief time uh, in in Atlanta and in their brief time uh, together. So you know, um, Adam Harstead says you know situation changes faster than talent and they're very talented guys and i think they may you may have to wait till 2024 to where either the quarterback or the play caller is different but they're still guys i'm betting on at their age at their talent at their at their already proven ability to command you know targets and, and volume things like, like i'm there for it and and you know i i think this is a this is a really good you know, buy opportunity for them. Now, on the flip side, if Pitts is your tight end one, or if you were counting on London, right? Um, who, who, by the way, I think has a smaller target share and shorter A dot than Mac Hollins does <laughs> this season. Uh, you know, um, what do you do, right? Like, who are some guys that you're you're targeting? to make up for that. You know, the natural idea, especially with, with if Pitts was your tight end one, you know, is to have insulated yourself a little bit with some, uh, some other bets, you know, whether it's, you know, high end rookies or, you know, cheaper vets or, or things like that. So maybe you have a Hunter Henry, you know, to lean on. Now, I think at wide receiver, it becomes a little, a little trickier because you can, look for other wide receivers or you can say 
well, it's points, and I just need points, right? And it's not a premium position. So I can suffer maybe at wide receiver, but, you know, beef up at running back or flex or, or whatever, right? So um, are there are there guys, you know, that you're, that you're looking at that might be good bets to make or good trades to make if you're someone suffering through – by the way, Arthur Smith, fuck you. Um, just real quick, like no. he, he goes out of his way to bring fantasy into the conversation in the, in the press conferences when it's not a fantasy football question. I'm sorry. So <laughs> was that, was that you saying no, no more? Arthur Smith? No. <laughs> no, I feel, I feel the exact same way that it's. And I talked about this on, I was on Kyle's uh, full press Packers show before the Falcons game. And I was like, I'm so torn because I do want them to win. But at the same time, I really don't want Arthur Smith to win because I want him to not be coach anymore. Yeah. But if he's winning, you know, I'm I'm a fan, so I want them to do well more so than fantasy. So it, it does kind of suck. I, But since, to answer your question, I'm starting to honestly think about maybe going and trying to trade people like Sam Laporta for Pitts. They see another young tight end who's actually producing – you know, you might have to add something on, but I'm starting to think about the leagues I have that trying to do that to get pits on my team. Because this year, like especially Durham Smythe, Troutman, they're all guys you can pick up off the waiver wire and just plug in and at least get seven to ten points, and that's even without a premium. So I think now's a perfect time to buy pits, even if he does have to sit on your bench. I think there are some guys you can go get. You know, and Joku's starting out slow, Jawan Johnson, Gerald Everett, guys like that are guys. Hopefully, you have on your bench. And you can plug in while Pitts is struggling, but Laporta or some other young tight ends are some guys I'm trying to go trade for Pitts. Yeah, Laporta is really rising up people's boards now. Um, I mean, and justifiably, you know, uh, good good usage, um, good targets in the first first couple games. You know, um, yep. All right, uh, I just looked, and surprisingly, I only have two Pitts shares and only one London share, so. I don't know. Look, I might have to do some shopping, you know, go, go look at one of my teams that looks like it's trending towards not competing this year, seeing what kind of discount I can get on, on a London, right? Like right now, you might be able in some leagues to get London plus for Puka. Yeah. Let me actually, there was something like that. I saw. I, I think you have to do that. Like, No. No, I, I agree. There's a trade here, Puka, for DeAndre Swift and a third, 24 third. So I think to the right person, you could definitely do that. Even if you got to throw on a third or fourth round pick, it'd definitely be worth. Here's one that does involve London. It's Pacheco, Jacoby Myers, Puka for London and Jerome Ford. Like, I'm going to smash the London and Ford side on that because it's Pacheco and Myers and Nakua. So I think you can do that. You might have to, you know, throw another guy in or two, but I think it'd definitely be worth it. Yeah, that's that's interesting. Now, and that's I think the benefit of one of the benefits of playing in a lot of leagues is that you can play around with this sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Like I said, I I had the five Puka shares. I said, you know what? Let me cash out on two, right? Let me hold on to the others. You know, see see what happens. And so, you know, I think you can pile up these. 55 45 60 40 you know bets and do well and i think then that uh, that allows you to play around a little bit more with some other you know parts of of your of your portfolio so 
Yeah. All right. All right. Let's see. I want to just make sure I want to hit this. No. Click search. Anyway. Okay. So uh, what's next? What do you want to do next? Um, let's do Nico. Nico. Ah, my boy Nico. Okay. Uh, Nico Collins. Real interesting story, I think, this year. Um, he was a guy that a lot of people were identifying, you know, in the offseason as, as a possible breakout. My Nico saga uh, is I was all in on Nico. I was a huge Nico guy. And then I lost faith for a little while. Like, yep. er, like late last season, and even though he was getting, like, increased targets, and then into the offseason, I was like, is it ever really going to happen with, with him? You know, like, am I just kind of hanging on to this guy who was like, all right, he was underused in college and he's just a big old six four ball of potential and right and 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 sorry Nico that my trust ever wavered uh, and and so I actually I, I did trade a couple of Nico shares but uh, but I've gone shopping since and the price hasn't been that bad because I think people are still kind of skeptical they got the rookie quarterback it's a bad team he's not a big name um, it's only two weeks of data and that sort of thing. You know, but when we look at expected fantasy points, air yard share, average yards per game, that sort of thing, Nico is a is an ascending asset that if you can go shopping and get him, get him. What I've been doing on some teams is using my Kyron Williams and Jerome Ford shares to flip them for a couple a couple Nicos yep. because I piled up on you know Ford and Kyron Williams the last couple of years. And now I can I can cash in on some of that. I'm getting Nico. I would not be surprised if at the end of the season, you know, um, we're looking at Nico as you know a top twenty dynasty receiver. He might already be right in some people's eyes. Um, you know, in that big tier that uh, that I always talk about of like nineteen to thirty two or whatever. Like you know he. He's he's just about there for me. Like he's just under it for me already. Yep. And like, yeah, you know, he, the 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 one caveat that I would throw in that might give me a little bit of caution is as the team gets better and there's less garbage time, what's it going to look like? Right? Is it going to be one of those things where okay, now it's more efficient and scoring more, so therefore a rising tide lifts all boats and Nico's fine. Or is it going to be, well, fewer negative game scripts, less passing volume? Like Stroud leads the league in dropbacks already, right? Like, so like, it is, is, the, is the volume going to go down? Is the uh, development of, of Tank Dell and, you know, maybe John Mechie comes around too? Like, you know, um, Noah Brown's on IR. Like, you know, so is it going to be one of those things where the offense improves and so he's, he's fine because the pie gets bigger? Or is it going to be more of the idea that, well, you know, it's a lot of it's a lot of garbage time. It's unsustainable levels of of pass rate, and so you know there there might be some decline. Either way, his price has gone up, but I think he's still a guy that you're looking to buy because it's probably going to go up even more. And he's you know six four two fifteen. You know he's he's a he's an X. He's he's the the number one guy there. He's the first read like. Go get you some Nico Collins. No, I agree. I'm gonna. I actually just made a trade for him five days ago, and this is in a Devi league. So, you know the the rookie picks are a little different. So I I traded 
a 24 third round rookie pick and a 24 first, which after talking to Kevin from football guys, the a late first in Debbie, he kind of sees pushes it back to like a early second, mid second. So I basically got that a, a third and a first for Nico and a fourth. So I thought that was a pretty good deal. I'm kind of needy on wide receiver. So I think you could probably go and if you have an early second, do that. Or like you said, packaging these guys like Zach Moss, Jerome Ford, other guys like that to go get them. I love Nico Collins. I was probably like you were. We talked about it on one of our first shows, how we really liked him. I also kind of gave up on him a little bit, but he's he's doing everything right. He's doing really good with yards after the catch, which a lot of people were – at least early on said he's not great at that, but he's doing really good at that. He's using his size to break tackles and run through routes, break through press coverage. Mm-hmm. I'm excited. And I, I don't, I don't see the volume dropping this year unless they go and fix their offensive line. Cause that offensive line is, it's okay for passing, but Damian Pierce is getting hit behind the line. Like his yards before contact is negative, I believe. Yeah. So it's, Unless that happens, they're not going to be able to run the ball, so they're going to have to pass. Yeah. And they've already had injuries, and Laramie Tunsil's mm-hmm. out this week now. So yeah, so I don't right. think the volume, at least till middle later in the year, I think you got a, a few more weeks of yeah. uh, heavy volume. And some people, I've listened to a few podcasts. People were a little worried about Nico only playing maybe 70 percent of routes, which is lower than a lot of the X receivers. But they're dropping back so much; his total routes is still like fifteenth in the league. So, yeah, he was I'm below. Yeah, he was below Tank Dell in route percent, mm-hmm. uh, you know, route participation week two. But you know, I think the type of targets that Tank gets in garbage time are like you know you're, but like, are are you going to see more of them in garbage time because you know it's bend don't break, but. I mean, I don't know that, like, look at what he's doing on the routes that he does run, and he's already yeah. producing, you know, he, you know, e- either the routes go up or, you know, his efficiency goes down a little bit. Uh, either way, I think he's going to be in the, in the ballpark of where, of where he is. Um, yeah. So, yeah, I think, I think you got to, you got to love, you got to love Nico. Kyle Keach checking in. Nico, the Michigan boy. Listen, Kyle, if you've got a hotline, to Jim Harbaugh or anybody in the uh, in Ann Arbor, the champions of the West, uh, you know, uh, the leaders in the best, uh, you know, uh, go blue and all that. Uh, please tell them to use their wide receivers more and better. We would really like that because one reason that Nico kind of flew under the radar, besides I think opting out of the COVID year, was like. He was on a Michigan offense that just doesn't use wide receivers well. So it's like, well, you know, he's got, you know, 6'4", 215. He's got, you know, athleticism, but we haven't seen him do much, you know. And uh, so, yeah, I think uh, if, Kyle, if you could talk to, to Michigan, that'd be, that'd be great. Yeah. <laughs> no, uh, we don't want Michigan to turn into uh, or, or, you know, to be just like other schools where it's like you can't trust their wide receivers. All right. Uh, let's talk about Justin Fields. Okay. Um, this, this might be where we lose viewers, you know, part of our millions of of viewers, but, but I, I have to talk about, I have to talk about it. So yes, Justin Fields has played poorly, right? I didn't watch that JT O'Sullivan thing. It just, it looked like it was kind of long and I heard enough about it, you know, where he, you know, he buried him on that video and that sort of thing. And, and, okay, I get it, right? He's missing receivers. He's holding on to the ball too long, right? Like, 
I get that. He himself has admitted he needs to he needs to to play better. But what I'm seeing with Justin Fields is almost like another Trey Lance where the organization is doing him dirty. Right? When we look at Fields and the diff- number of different whatever coaches, OCs, play callers, whatever that he's gone through, right, in his short time in in the league, right? The terrible offensive line, right, that he that he's had to to work with, right? And now the the this this getsy guy, right? He's essentially trying to make him another like Purdy type, you know, like a like a drop back timing passer, right? And that's messing with fields. And it's not just messing with fields and that he's getting overcoached and he's getting coached counter to what his skills are. I, you know, listen, I'm no psychiatrist or whatever. I think it's getting into his head, right? It's And, and, and he's playing scared. He's not trusting his eyes. He's not making good decisions. And he's got in the back of his head, right, like what these coaches want him to do. For example, they changed his footwork where they want him to use like his feet differently or whatever. And so, so now he's like thinking on the field. You can't think on the field. It's got to be instinct on the field. Right. And so everything's, so his dropbacks are slow and right. Like what they've done is almost the opposite of what the, of what Shane Steichen has done with Anthony Richardson. Right. Shane Steichen said to Anthony Richardson, Oh, you're athletic and you're a good thrower of the football. Right, but you might not be the best reader of defenses and processor at the moment. Okay, let me design an offense that fits that. And they're not doing that for Fields. When you look back at when Fields had his most success, right? We've seen it with design runs, and we've seen it when in like 2020, toward the end of the season, when when Bill Lazor was calling plays, when we had you know, RPOs, play action, half field reads, right? You know? And so, yes, Fields has played poorly. He's admitted as much. I will admit as much. My concern is the systemic issues that he's facing with offensive line, coordinator, coaching, et cetera. And that's the type of thing that can ruin a guy's career, right? I think the 49ers almost ruined Trey Lance. And I think I see a very similar thing going on with Justin Fields. And this is where we might lose people because I want to talk about racism, right? We can't pretend that in a country that has systemic racism and implicit bias everywhere, that all of a sudden that stops when we get to the NFL, right? And black quarterbacks have had to endure a lot of nonsense over the years and still to this day endure the idea of having the weight on their shoulders of representing black quarterbacks and quarterbacks like them, right? Um, Whether it's the intelligence testing, right? Whether it's, you know, um, I mean, you know, Lamar Jackson and Anthony Richardson, he's a running back who plays quarterback. You can't watch football and say that about those guys, right? They may be a different type of passer and maybe, you know, you know, not as elite a passer as somebody else, right? But they're dismissed as athletic, right? What words do we use to describe guys like that? Freak, specimen, monster, right? 
what words do we use to describe other players? Gym rat, scrappy, leader, intelligent, right? Diagnostic, diagnostician, processor, right? And then what happens is the type of things that certain quarterbacks bring to the field gets valued over the, uh, the type of thing other quarterbacks bring to the field, right? And it's that type of quarterback and that type of knowledge, right, where if you're not the reader and the processor and the diag- diagnoser and the timing passer, you're not smart. You're not as good, right? You need training wheels. You need to be brought along, right, because you're – the black quarterback who's just athletic and throws the ball. I see this every day. I'm a high school history teacher, right? And essentially the cultural wealth that certain students bring to school is rewarded and they see it more in school than the type of cultural wealth other students the types of knowledge, the ways of being, the ways of acting, the way you construct knowledge, right? It's a, it's a white middle-class colonial culture in public schools, and that's true everywhere in the U.S., right? And essentially, we, 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 there's, we say this in education, that if you judge a fish by how well it can climb a tree, a fish will look pretty stupid, <laughs> And all I'm asking the Chicago Bears is to not be Shanahan, right? And let this fish swim, right? And hopefully what we start to see is what we start to see last year where it's like, oh, well, he can break fantasy if, if he runs a lot, right? And so design runs, RPOs, half-field reads, play actions, right? Coach to the guy's skills. Don't measure the fish by how well they can climb a tree. I'm sorry. No, I don't don't disagree with anything you just said there. It's, It's a problem, especially in the league, especially even with coaches. Like blackhead coaches get much shorter leashes than quarterbacks do. Um, So I, I think you nailed everything right there about that. But about Luke Getze, you know, like you said to Arthur Smith, I'm going to say fuck you to Luke Getze. This dude does not know how – he either doesn't know or he's just unwilling to change how he needs to run an offense. I've seen plays just looking on Twitter and looking at tape where guys are running curl routes within five yards of each other. Like one person can guard that. He ran two the exact same screen pass twice in a row and got it intercepted. And, like, there's a clip of – I think it's either Levante David or Devin White saying to DJ Moore, he's like, man, they're not using you right. What are they mm-hmm. doing? He's and like, I heard oh. elsewhere, too, that there was buzz that the Buccaneers knew, knew what play was coming. Yeah, because it's it's vanilla. And, like, just – I don't mean to use that for the point you talked about earlier, but <laughs> it's – Appropriate. <laughs> yeah, it is. And it's hurting everybody. It's hurting Khalil Herbert. He doesn't have near the efficiency he's had in the past, even with bad offensive lines. Like RPOs open up the running game for not just Justin Fields, but also your running backs. So that's just going to help everybody in the offense. It's, it's so frustrating. I think he only had two design runs through two weeks after almost setting a record for rushing yards and being one of the most elite rushers in, in the NFL. And 
looking back to college, he say what you want about PFF grades. I kind of disagree with him too, but he had the highest college passing grade for one of his years at Ohio State. So it's not like he's bad at passing the ball. He's not just a running back that can throw. Like they don't talk about Josh Allen like that. So who honestly is just not just like I think he's just not bad at throwing, but he has holes in his throwing game, but they just don't talk about it like that. So I agree. I'm I'm trying to buy fields. I think it's a little too early to do that because I think the people who got him where they got him still have faith. Mm-hmm. But it doesn't hurt to start trying because mm-hmm. I think, especially in a few weeks, you might be able to go in there and get them for pretty cheap. There so. are people out there, and I and people who who I think are very good at dynasty fantasy football, who are essentially saying, "I'm off Fields. It's over for Fields. I'd rather have Sam Howell than Fields." Find those people. <laughs> And and I'm not saying I'm smart and they're dumb. I got it right. They got it wrong. I'm saying it's my opinion that the situation will change faster than than fields will become bad at football. Yeah. Right. And, you know, that's all it takes. Go look at the in 2020. uh, Yeah. uh, Like the, the game against Pittsburgh or. There was another comeback game that he had where he was he was just making these really sick NFL throws, right? Because you know they had a run game and play action and stuff like right. Like so, you, listen. What if Johnny Manziel was black? You know what the answer to that is? Go watch the documentary about Jack Johnson, right? Um, also, you know, uh, as 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 Adam Harstead brought up, like. There could never be a black Jake Plummer. Oh, yeah. You know, like it wouldn't happen, right? You know, you know, Brian Leafs, you know, right? Like it, it would not get the chance, right? So, you know, listen, I obviously this is a show about what to do with your little pixels in your sleeper app, right? But I think it's important that we know the context and the layers that go into what's going on in those pixels so we can make those decisions, right? Mm -hmm. That's the same reason I'm not giving up on Trey Lance because there's context and nuance is the same reason I'm not giving up on Justin Fields because of context and nuance. And yes, systemic racism is probably a part in both of those. It's just just that, you know, that's just the way it is. It's the United States, right? Well, it's the quote unquote United States on stolen land. We can't we can't pretend that that stuff stops at the NFL locker room door. Right? Like, come on, people, what are we doing? Yeah, no, I agree. Sorry, I'm kind of soapboxy with, with that one tonight. Yeah. Hey, I'm with you. I've been talking about black head coaches not getting the same leniency that the Rex Ryans and guys like this who have just been absolutely mediocre in the league get. So Listen, you know, we, we, we know Lovey Smith's a boomer and all that, but like Lovey Smith had 10 wins as a Bears coach and got mm-hmm. fired. Yep. How they been how have they been since then? Yeah. Yeah, I don't I don't necessarily like him as a person, but it right. got yeah. treated very unfairly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right? Like, I mean it it is what it is, right? And so, you know, so more practically speaking, I, I'll admit knowing that in the in the at least in the near term there's some systemic problems with the bears and it's getting into Fields' head. I did knock him down in my rankings. I do have Richardson above him for the first time. 
right? Like, you know, because what's happening with Richardson is what you want to see a coach do with Richardson. So I think there's buy opportunities for fields or like, or, you know, uh, fields and a plus to get into that Herbert Burrow with his calf uh, kind of tier. You know what I mean? Yeah. And playing uncomfortable, you're not going to play to your utmost level. And it seems like he's playing uncomfortable due to those reasons. So, so question in the chat about do do we do fantasy football? Interesting, because this entire show is about fantasy football. Uh, what's the next topic we want to talk about? Uh, I was going to let you, since you and Jacob did a whole thing about the last one left is running back carousel and injuries. So I don't know if you wanted to lead that one off since you yeah. guys talked running backs. You know, I think so. What I talked about with Jacob, you know, last week was kind of what we started at the top of the show, identifying those guys on the right on the right side of the curve, and and then sort of applying that to running back through the lens of betting on talent, and then figuring out how these guys are going to be used situationally, right? What are, what are these teams telling us about about how they're they're being used? And now, right. We look at the running back landscape. Bijan's Bijan, but I think through two weeks, only has 48% of the expected fantasy points for Falcons running backs or something like that, right? So, you know, like he's being Arthur Smith, right? But obviously we love Bijan to the moon. Brees mm-hmm. Hall, you know, to the moon, we love Brees Hall. Coming back slowly from that injury, stuck on a bad team, Right. McCaffrey, you know, I didn't think the usage was going to hold up going into the third week. Like, you know, that snap percentage, Elijah Mitchell did get more touches. He is CMC. He's on a great team. Sure. I mean, we can have, we can have confidence in him, especially for the next year or two. Um, Saquon Barkley, high ankle sprain. Uh, Jonathan Taylor, pup, and then mystery, question mark. Like, What's going on? Is he going to be even a cult? Is he going to be traded at the trade deadline? Are they going to, you know, shut him down, right? Uh, Pollard to the moon. Okay, we love it. We hit on Pollard. Okay, fine. Austin Eckler, injured, you know, aging a bit. Uh, Josh Jacobs, off to a slow start this year. Offensive line doesn't look great. Um, You know, did the, you know, uh, holdout and – you know, uh, record, not record, but career high touches, you know, as he, as he now kind of lost a step because of that, you know, and, and is he going to get it back? Right. Um, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, you know, Damian Pierce, you know, what's going on with him? He's not getting used as much on third down as we thought. And he's stuck on a really bad team and, and really disappointing people as far as stats go. Um, Javante Williams, uh, you know, getting better usage than Samaj P. Ryan, but certainly, you know, a splitting snaps and doesn't look like he's got that juice yet. He's still recovering from his knee injury. All this to say, that's why you draft and trade for the Jerome Fords, the Kyron Williams, right? The Tank Bigsby's, the Zach Charbonnets, um, the Chuba Hubbard's. Right, the Brian Robinsons, um, you know, uh, you know, guys like that, right? Why you, you maybe stash or hold on to an Algier, right? Like, so, um, 
there's been a, a lot of injuries. What are we doing now because of that at Dynasty Running Back? Well, for me personally, I have a lot of Jerome Ford shares, so I spun off a few and cashed out and did pretty well. For me, I had a good number of Kyron Williams shares. I was a believer, not in what he is now, right? But in the sense that he's a pass catcher, you know, he can do pass pro. He's a competent enough player. His play speed is faster than his 40 time, as you as you saw at Notre Dame. Um, you know, he's worth holding on to. And so I've cashed out. You want to have part of your roster be able to benefit from the uncertainty, the chaos, the disorder, and the problems, right? Because they're going to happen. Running backs are going to get hurt. So how can your roster benefit from that? And and so there you go, right? So if you did have a – oh, a Dobbins. What the hell? I forgot even Dobbins. Achilles, right? And Saquon. Yeah. Uh, I thought – no, I said Saquon. But oh, anyway, okay. yeah. So – you know, and and Chubbs and Chubbs, you know, knee is is destroyed, right? So, you know, uh, I don't want to say, oh, it's victory for zero RB. You know, I don't want to be like one one of one of those people, but it 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 shows you that like there's certainty in that running backs are going to get hurt, and you need to you need to shape your your roster that way. So if you lost a Chubb or you lost a Dobbins, you know. You know, hopefully you've got other options, but now, you know, you have to go trade for some of these Jerome Fords and Kyron Williamses and that sort of thing. And I'm not saying that I don't have a roster out there that was relying on a Chubbs or, or, or a Dobbins, and so now i got to adapt. But to me, it's why you don't spend a lot of capital on, on, on running backs. But, yeah. yeah, so there there's either in my head and I could be this could be bad processing just me being stuck on priors I used to before I really got into dynasty just didn't redraft be robust RB so I think you either got to do that and just because I have a few teams where I got guys like Mixon, uh Connor on my in my flex spots so if you can do that you can just plug them into the spots you miss but I think the better way to do that is to you know maybe go for rookies or second year running backs and then just wait and maybe grab a few veterans after round 10, get Brian Robinson's, get the Jerome Fords. So moving forward next year, I'm probably going to draft guys like Brees, Jameer Gibbs, guys who are still very young and mm-hmm. have a, not not as likely to get hurt and just wait and see what veterans fall around round nine or 10 and just maybe get one in the first five rounds and then stack up on young receivers tight ends yeah. so this all this injuries definitely changed how i'm going to be drafting moving forward and a lot of my better teams are ones that i didn't go super heavy on running back and now i'm just plugging these guys in without even having to to trade them away and alexander madison i there was a couple mm-hmm. rosters i will admit i made a bet on simply you know it's a bad bet to make but i bet on i bet on expected projected volume right Right. And and look, he, he got Cam Akers by, you know, by his team. Right. So you want to look at pass catchers. You want to look at guys who are injury away. You want to look at the discount guys. You want to look at the younger guy. Right. You want to look at importantly bet on talent, you know, exclamation point. Right. And and that's got to that's got to shift. Right. I mean, it's really interesting. Right. Because what, what we're seeing is the, the 2017 and 2018 classes get into that second contract 
right around the same time that the really good 2020 class is getting out of their, uh, um, you know, their, um, they're they're uh, they're getting towards the end of their rookie deals, and we're seeing like, oh wow, right? Like, you know, this is now all completely different, you know, uh, than than we thought with running back, you know, and and things change and life comes at you fast. So, yep. um, it could be also a situation if you're one of those people who says, you know, zig when people zag, zag when people zig, you know, let's see what kind of value falls. Right. Yeah. Let, let's see, you know, in the offseason, how cheap some of these running backs are. Not that you buy a lot of running backs early in the offseason, but like, yeah. you know, let's let's see. Right. If everybody's got, you know, wide receiver fever, then there's got to be value somewhere else. Right. And so and so look for that. Yeah. And yeah, and that's what made me say. I think you can still make it work because I have a few teams that are four and oh using the median that I did. I had drafted a ton of running backs and just got some middle like middle round wide receivers and I'm doing fine with that. So I think you can make it work. You're also just playing with fire because in two weeks you could be down four running backs and then, you know, you're definitely having to make some trades. So I do think there is some truth to zig when people zag. If you lost a Chubb or a Dobbins, um, you know, who might you target, right? Um, I think a cheap veteran like Aaron Jones I think Kamara coming back from suspension at a discount. I think Ty J Spears is going to get volume still as they preserve Henry. I think, you know, Jamie's boy, Roshan, you know, has a path to, you know, he has the most well-rounded skill set. And by the end of the year, you know, is probably going to be the RB1 there. Um, Brian Robinson, like I joke that he's discount Najee, but like he might even just be better than Najee, you know, at this point, right? Like, um, you know, Rashad White is a volume play. There are some sharp people who are really in on him, like J.J. Zacharyson. Um, there are some sharp people who are kind of out on him, you know, like I'm not going to say I'm sharp, but I'm out on him. And, you know, and our guest last week, Jacob, right? Um, Kendra Miller has an interesting path, right? Um, I mean, obviously, you know, you're probably paying higher prices than you wanted now on guys like Ford and Kyron Williams. But, mm-hmm. you know, Tank Bigsby might be an injury away. He just came off a week where he had like zero touches. Um, you know, uh, uh, Jalen Warren is a guy to look into, right? Who I have ranked behind Ford and Williams simply because of the situation right now. But as far as talent goes, is probably more talented than at least Williams out of that bunch. Yeah. And maybe go grab him before that snap share starts to get uh, a little closer. You know, he might not be the... Um, the the next Tony Pollard, but he might not be the next Tony Pollard yet, right? And so maybe there's still uh, a, a buy window there. Um, you know, a guy like Kenneth Gainwell uh, is probably going to be more consistent and trusted by the coaches, and Swift is going to be a little more boom bust. I like Swift; he's more talented. I have him ranked higher. He's going to be the one A. But a guy like Gainwell is is a cheap guy to get. Chuba Hubbard is an interesting guy. I think yep. he's improved as he's had time in the league. He came into the league as a straight line runner with not very good vision. He's become better. He's become more well rounded. I think the team trusts him in in all three downs. If Sanders were to were to get hurt or you know not perform, um, you know Sean Tucker could steal. Uh, Rashad White's job, although he didn't look good in week two. So, I mean, there's he, all those guys 
are less expensive than some other options you have and have paths to not just production increase, but value increase. Yeah, I agree. I think, and I'm actually going to defend Sean Tucker for the first time in the show's history. It's hard to look good with that offensive line. Mm-hmm. Like that offensive line is bad. So, I mean, I don't, I'm not the highest on Rashad White. I don't think he's that great, but I, this kind of reminds me, don't give up on volume plays. Like don't give up on Madison. I'm not too worried about Cam Akers. I still think Cam Akers lost a little bit from his Achilles injury, but he's still a good player. It's just two weeks. Like he played two good run defenses, Madison did. So their line's not great, but I think better days are ahead for some of the volume plays. Mm-hmm. Yeah, which brings us back to what we were talking about at the top. Like it's only been two weeks, and you're going to get some stuff wrong when you're faced with the choice of I should adapt and change my priors. Or is that overreacting? You're not going to get every single one of those right, right? So as much as I try to lean into upside and ceiling more, as I, you know, the more years I have in Dynasty, I'm, I'm also somebody who, you know, can say, well, let's wait and see, right? You know, maybe, maybe that's an overreaction. And I, and I might be wrong. I might be wrong that Pook is an overreaction, you know? Could be. I have a few teams that are 0-2, and I went through, and I was like, should I start making some trades, start folding? I'm like, it's only two weeks. Like, I'm going to give it two more weeks. After four, maybe five weeks, I think you have a pretty good idea both where your team's at and where Yeah, like a quarterly check-in. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, and then get active. Be be the first yeah. one to decide to, you know, shed some points and get some exactly. draft capital and things like that. Yep. Yeah. Give it another week or two. Yeah. All righty. I think that just about does it, right? We had some good yeah. – conversations about five topics please subscribe rate and review if you're listening to the audio feed please if you're watching here on the video subscribe like notification bell comment feed the algorithm monster what it must be fed time for plugs josh where can we find you and your work yeah you can find me on twitter at rotonaut r-o-t-o-n-a-u-t or on x i'm sorry um uh, you can find my rankings. I haven't updated them yet. I'm going to give it one more week. So after tomorrow, I'm going to go and update all my Dynasty rankings, do an overhaul. You can find that at goingfor2.com. Uh, and you can find – I'm going to start putting some of my DFS lineups in the Going For Two Discord. Mm. So you can find some of those there. You can find that at goingfor2.com or on Jess' Twitter. Um, I think that's it. Yeah, I'm about to go watch Notre Dame beat Ohio State. So, All right. Well, you mentioned uh, the Discord. Uh, uh, you can find that at goingfor2.com where I have – rankings and articles less in season writing um more i just i'm more like update my rankings obsessively several times a day um that there's there's a lot to be said about that that is you know more about what's going on between my ears than than some (laughs) some other things right uh but yeah i going for two also has um a wide range of content for you not on the site but also pretty much a podcast a live show every every day or night of the week including you know the sunday uh uh, start sit and and dfs stuff and man like sometimes dfs is that oasis where it's like had a rough week dynasty trade streets or people are being cheap and greedy you know let me dive into uh you know uh expected fantasy points per drop back of you know whatever and plug them in for forty five hundred dollars and see what happens you know but hey yeah it's it's you know any any thoughts on on this week DFS? Um, 
No, they're a sneaky game to maybe go after. It could flop. The Falcons and Lions. Not yeah. sure the Falcons can keep up, but that's got – if you're in, especially GPP, you might be able to get in on some low ownership on some guys in that. Otherwise, just go after that Vikings – the Vikings game. I, I mean, it's, it's chalk, but, I mean, that's, that's going to be a high-scoring game more than likely. Another sneaky game might be Denver-Miami. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think you know. I think it's another one of those things. If Denver can keep up and push them, it'll be really good. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so because Russell Wilson does not look that good. I I the first two weeks, like I had a really bad week the first week of DFS, and a really good week the second week. And this is the first week of the three where I feel like I got my feet under me. Yeah, you know. So who knows that that'll yeah. that'll that'll mean that everything flops. So. Yeah. Probably. <laughs> <laughs> All right, folks. Uh, uh, oh, Dynasty Fever at Dynasty Fever Pod. We're on a bit of a break. Uh, audio only midweek episodes, but we're on a bit of a break. We don't know uh, how long, um, but we'll be we'll be coming back at some point probably uh, this season. Uh, so, uh, yeah, uh, find me on Twitter at FFJunkie underscore. Get in my DMs and yell at me for uh, calling out racism with Justin Fields. And... Um, Thanks for listening. Thanks for watching. That's a wrap. And go Irish.